0: Welcome, everybody, to a bonus episode of Maitre's Bubble. Today, we're going to be talking about something very cool that happened this past weekend, which was MTG Las Vegas. And to do so, I have uh, the best, most fantastic co-hosts that any podcast has ever had the pleasure of seeing in both Everos and Spider Space. How are you guys doing? I'm doing
1: all right. I'm excited to be on the podcast again, finally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's rough, man. How are you, are you feeling all right now? What, what what happened this past week? I'm feeling
1: better. Yeah, I've just been. Uh, I I traveled a bit, and then I uh, got very sick from that travel. Um, but feeling good now. I apologize preemptively if I uh, let a cough slip through or something and startle people.
0: It's okay. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, that's one thing that I I've, I've been experiencing. It's just like the other day, like last week, I played a gig, and. All three of my bandmates got sick and I didn't and I was the only one wearing a mask the whole time. And I'm like, why don't we do this all the time? <laughs> it's, I, I haven't gotten sick in like two years. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I get sick all the time and I haven't I haven't got sick in, in like two years, that's crazy to me. Anyway, um, Spider, how are you doing?
2: oh I'm, I'm okay i didn't realize we were doing the how you doing i was like bonus babbles all business so i was ready to go
0: <laughs> dude bo- bonus babbles more casual than ever apparently <laughs> oh, all right all right <laughs> all right let's talk business then mtg las vegas probably the largest event that we've had uh, we had a couple of paper events since the pandemic we had the hunter border memorial that was a pretty large one we also had the invitational which happened like almost a month ago at this point. And this is the big open event that has happened. We had over 1400 players, which is kind of insane. Honestly, um, this is just modern. There was also limited on the other the other event. So pretty sweet event. Uh, These kind of you know tournaments are always just incredible. right? Like I went to the previous Las Vegas, the one where Hogak was still a thing. And it was probably you know my my favorite MDG experience of all time. So uh, definitely, definitely a, a fantastic experience for everybody involved. Uh, but uh, the sweetest thing about this event is that the top eight is wild, wild top eight. Last week we Spider and I talked about the different um, the different predictions that we had for for the top eight. We were really off, I guess.
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I feel like we still said reasonable things, but then like people were like, "Yeah, I watch Aspiring Spike." But that that's paper.
0: <laughs> A whole event taken down by none other than the monkey, of course. Lurus, monkey, and DRC took the entire event in the Rakdos mid-range decklist. This is. Uh, i think this is just spike 75 right this is just like a copy paste of uh, the the spike uh, deck list if and if not if it's not it's very very close to it um but yeah this is the den of the bugbear mid-range deck playing just black and red uh, trying to make the mana base a little bit more clean trying to make sure that we can cast our spells on time and the big big uh, part of this which is what we talked about last week with Spider, is three copies of Turak Dread Cantor, of course. This is uh, the big winner for this uh, for this strategy. Like, this card is absolutely fantastic, very well positioned in the format right now. And I think this is far and away, far and away, uh, the best Turak deck in the entire format. At least the best Tur- Turak shell, right? Uh, that we have seen so far. Um, not that that many people have tried to use Turok in other (laughs) in other practical ways but this seems like the best Turok deck that that I've seen so far um but uh, yeah do you have the guys have any thoughts about this deck
1: yeah I mean Turok what you're saying about Turok I, I think is really true um for a while so you know I mainly play blue eye control and uh for a long time, usually get really good games of Magic versus red black X rock decks when you're playing blue white. Um, usually pretty close, but I would say blue white normally has the um, usually has the edge. Turok's been dumpstering me. Like that card specifically is the is the thing that has been breaking the matchup for me, where I keep getting myself in these positions where I'm like, all right, fantastic, I'm turning the corner here. Alright, if I can just get through this one turn, this game's locked up. And that one turn, if it's Turok, it just dismantles everything I had ready to go, you know? It not only... It not only eats... You know, by, by that point, I find those stages of the game, two cards is a lot of cards. It's it's often your whole hand. Um, and uh, in a 4-3, Pro White is really hard to deal with. Um... You know some of the ways that we are able to deal with it if you have like shark and whatnot but even that's tricky because you go to make a shark and that actually grows Turok because you discarded a card <laughs> had to learn that the hard way um, <laughs> it's uh it's it's just a it's a really hard card to interact with it's like a really hard card to interact with and then like it's also dismantling your plan at the same time so i've definitely found that like that seems to be tilting that matchup away from me. And it's, I've been losing it more than winning it lately.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that the red black deck would be excited about like a four, three pro white would be like a great deal already. Like the black red deck would play that card. <laughs>
1: well, maybe not for four mana.
0: <laughs> and on top of that, you just get the double discard. Oh, it's so nasty. It's so nasty.
1: It it is it is surprisingly good. I, I think looking at the card, I would not think it would be as impactful as it ends up feeling in the games.
2: You can always counter it, right? Like that's what you can, you're either right. countering it or
1: verdicting it, right? So so usually, and you know, this could be me having to adjust how I'm approaching the matchup, you can do that, but in those matchups I I sometimes go in kind of light on counter magic traditionally. I I I I don't love being deep on counter magic in a matchup that is doing a lot of one for one but is also like filled with hand disruption. Um, it can make the it can make the counter magic really awkward. Um, so I've been going low on that, and that I don't have great answers to Tarok specifically. <laughs> um, but you know, you kind of need these. You need to have your deck dense with things that are breaking the one for ones. You know, anything things that are, you know, doing something meaningful, maybe cantripping at the same time or playing to the board, you know, because you're, you're playing off the top of the deck a lot. And, and, uh, he messes with that. Turok really messes with that whole plan.
2: That's really interesting. That, that almost reminds me of like the old control plan where you go to post board and your opponent like boards out their removal and you're like, here's my Lyra or my Slayer, And then, I mean, here, it's not like a post board juke, but you're trying to change the configuration of your deck. Cause you're like, yeah, like, a, you know, this is how it's going to go. And then you get punished for doing that. That's mm-hmm. that kind of puts you in a tough spot. That's interesting. It does, yeah. Talking about this uh, matchup a little bit, somebody else, and sort of in comparison to the red, black, green, like the the Jun um, Saga Van deck. And I always thought that that deck would have the better matchup against blue white, just because of the card Urza Saga, and you know, like Ren and Six is also great. And like, obviously, I think those are things. And both of those cards are good against blue white, but maybe you're not. You know, it doesn't change how you're boarding as much, or I don't know. Would you, Would you care to talk about that a little bit?
1: The The difference between Jund and Red Black, like specifically from that blue white perspective. Yeah, I mean it, th- those matchups feel pretty close. Um, like I said, you know, they're they're both nice rest in peace matchups, right? They're not like. Totally graveyard dependent, but you know, Rip turning off the whole Ren recursion package and all that always feels really good. And then turning off, you know, Croxa and Lurus from both sides, it's always good. But I feel like Turok is giving the other deck a, is giving the red black deck a, like a non graveyard dimension that is a very significant threat, you know? Whereas, yeah, it, it just feels a little bit harder to attack, I guess. Yeah. Um I feel I feel like the Jun Saga deck I can I can attack, especially with the sideboard, a bit cleaner than I can this other one.
2: Well, it's also worth noting that we've adjusted, right? Like their non-graveyard package is Urza Saga, and you know that going into the matchup, you're like, here's my four spreading seas. Right. Whereas for Torok, you're like, what do I like what is my spreading seas to Torok, right? right?
1: All the answers you want to creatures are white, <laughs> so like your answer you know they, ultimately it's it's supreme verdict, but then like you're getting like three for one you know <laughs> if you're not yeah. catching anything else with that verdict, it's like an eight two cards, you gotta hope you didn't discard it and, and then you gotta spend another card.
2: You could bring in removal that would answer it like you could you could play your dismember, right.
1: Oh, God, yeah, I guess, but that feels so bad.
2: Well, I mean, that's the issue, right? It's like, even if you manage to have something that answered it and they kicked the torok, it's still like, well, this isn't really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, engineered explosives or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what you were saying earlier, Evan, is, is super interesting because, uh, you know, we talked about this when we were talking about the printing of Prismatic Ending and how people, you know, you, you played or, or Unholy Hit, sorry, uh, i guess both of them but you know in the mirror playing the ferry and immediately plus in it because you were good to go like the ferry time traveler right um and now how that pattern has changed and we have had to adapt and very often you see a lot of in the control mirror play the ferry immediately minus it to make sure that we get the card back out of it um so this may be one of those situations where like yeah like conventional wisdom and like history has kind of taught us that you know cut your counter spells against the 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 discard spell deck which makes a lot of sense like when playing I mean, we arrived at this wisdom by playing the matches and realizing, yo, this card sucks. <laughs> I'm hanging out with this counterspell in my hand and my opponent is yeah. just like, this card's card spelling me, like, getting rid of it and then just, like, doing this other thing. But, like, maybe the printing of Torax specifically is one of those cards that has to uh, change significantly the way that you cyber against the Red-Black lures deck com- as compared, for example, to the John Saga uh, Lurrus deck. So
1: Maybe. The, the problem is like... Then you leave it all, these, you know, you have all these counter spells, and it's like, all right, turn one monkey, go ahead. And you're like, all right, well, I'm dead. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that
0: is why you want to cut the the, the counter spells to begin with. But, like, again, like, it's one of those things where maybe you need to adapt and i don't know maybe he still sucks maybe it's just like the, that's the trump
1: like we're playing we're playing yeah it, it's tricky we're starting to like really just like board a bunch of cards to that strategy but again even those even the cards that you know are normally the things we would bring in like celestial purge and all that kind of stuff it just doesn't do anything against, versus to <laughs> the cards yep. just really good against blue white i think exactly i thought about trying the because uh, i always like that card the the splash for fire and ice. And like you, you know, it, when you're playing that matchup, Turok actually comes down as a two, one a lot. Like he's not always getting kicked. They, they'll, they'll play it as a two, one pro white and having, um, I think having fire can be really useful being able to, you mm. know, fire that fire, you know, a, a, a couple things. There's a, there's a few things that are really nice to be able to fire. Just like you said, you know, like even like Teferi, down ticking in a mirror, you know, being able to like fire to finish that off. Um, I thought about that, that build where you're playing like two of those, but, uh, you know, and you can even do it uh, in response to the kick when You're just still getting three for one and probably going to lose there. But at least you can yeah. kill him before he gets those counters, you know?
0: Yeah, at least you buy, you buy some time. But yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, kind of gets you thinking and trying to see if you, you know, instead of just dying, maybe you can just try to see if you can adapt (laughs) (laughs) instead of
1: just dying but i i was not surprised to see this deck take down the tournament i know uh i've been seeing a lot of it spike was playing a lot of it up until the tournament i know it's what he played in the tournament as well and it 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 looks like a really strong deck it it just looks very solid playing a lot of the really good interactive spells and very strong threats the deck's good
0: yeah, um, and on second place we actually have the deck that I lost to the red black lures in the finals, and that is four color creativity. This is one of the um, the few, I guess, combo combo decks that remain in the format, and I mean a, li- a little bit more on that later. Uh, but we talked about how uh, combo decks, you know, have kind of taken a second a second seat you know like in the past it was oh modern is just combo versus combo it's just two ships passing in the night blah 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 that just doesn't exist anymore that's just not the case anymore and mid-range is king right now in modern Uh, but there are a couple of combo decks that are still hanging in there and Four-Color Creativity is one of those. Uh, I remember um, Mana Symbol a couple of uh, weeks ago, winning a Modern Challenge with Four-Color Creativity. And the decklist that we have right here uh, is actually quite similar. So uh, the couple of interesting additions to this deck list is we're playing three copies of Fire and Ice in the main deck, three copies of Hard Evidence, three prismatic commands in the main, and a singleton copy of Faithful Mending which i imagine it has something to do with discarding your ember cool whenever you draw it i imagine that there's some there's some relationship there you know like that's that's probably one of the reasons why we're playing the one of copy of this card in the deck but uh, the strategy is fairly straightforward right let's just like use the dwarven mind to put a 1-1 token into play use Indomitable creativity to take that throw that token away get an ember cool instead of that and there's also the one of copy of sarah's emissary which is uh, which is another another possibility but yeah spider you you play this this deck for a mount. how how do you like it does it surprise you that it made it all the way to the finals no
2: i there, there so there's a lot of things i, I want to mention about this deck the, the first one is that while this is a combo deck it's a combo deck that is kind of like a one card combo where you're really just needing indomitable creativity and a fetch land right like and just saying, and a fetch land, or you know, having the dwarven mine in your deck, in, in your hand, or wh- whatever it might be, that's not that tall of an ask. So you have a lot of interchangeable pieces for one half, which is nice. Uh, the other thing is that this is just a good mid range deck anyway. Like you don't have to indomitable creativity to win the game when you're constantly, you know, you turn two Ren and six, turn three to fairy right like that's what those four color good stuff decks are doing and stuff like that too so the stack has a lot of good cards um i'm kind of curious about some of their choices in particular like the three remand i'm guessing they were feeling like they needed to interact versus some of these combo things i also don't know if i'm like quite understand the faithful mending thing you know the the whole discard thing is is definitely part of it but i know they've relied on prismari in the past so i'm wondering if that's like A concession to aggro things because I think this deck can have a hard time against burn. But the most interesting thing about this deck is the evolution that we've seen it have to make, which is playing two threats for Indomitable Creativity. So we're playing Sarah's Emissary and Emrakul. And for a long time, I've not really liked this. Like, I don't really like the idea of, you know, if you have to spin creativity for one, you don't know what you're getting. Right. Um, that's always why I preferred just, you know, you just ran the one thing or like, you know, the archon builds were cool because you always knew what you were getting, but if you did it for more, you would still get more of that, which was nice. The reason that they've gone here is to to the two threats is you can just X equals two. That's what you're aiming to do, not X equals one. And most of the time you go emrakul plus Sarah's and you will just win the game. Right. So if you think your opponent's gonna like have a verdict then maybe you would try to set up like a teferi situation instead but most everything else like if you're expecting oh teferi is their answer then you can name planeswalkers if you think like oh they're gonna like terminate my Sarahs, then you can name instant or the probably the most prevalent one is oh my opponent has solitude okay Sarahs is gonna name creature and then they can't do anything so that's it's like a, a pretty strong thing um the sideboard, we've got uh, a lot of the usual suspects uh, cards like Alpine Moon, Veil of Summer, Rest in Peace, Ware Terror, Supreme Verdict, a lot of just like good I Want to Hate X out. So I think by and large this list looks pretty clean. I tend to like the concession of playing the Island and the Plains. Uh, you need a lot of mountains in this deck, but I think you can be weak to aggro and you can also be really weak to Blood Moon, so being able to fetch those basics is good but if you draw one of them it sucks but i think it's one of those like i have to make this concession like you know you're you're paying a very real cost to put them in the deck but there is an advantage to doing so um i feel like this person knew that and knew what they were getting into with that
0: yeah super super cool to to see a deck like this still managing to to get in there um but yeah like the mana base is always one of those things that really strikes me as sort of questionable with a deck like this uh with you have you have a bunch of fetchlands sure but you have your four dwarven mines are basically etv tapped mountains in your opening hand and they're almost kind of mulligans in a way so like that that part sucks because it doesn't cast like the majority of your deck is almost blue and white more so than red so it kind of puts you in a spot where you kind of have to do that but at the same time you really don't want to be doing that like the Dormant Mines can be like a little bit of a necessary evil uh, to an extent uh, but yeah sure like sometimes you just have you know turn 21 Catria Triumph and turn two at six and all your problems just immediately go away <laughs> it's just just rent plus fetch land it's just a very easy way to fix all of these issues uh, but uh, but yeah it's always I feel like this deck hasn't really since it, the, the, the stock build has been found I feel like it hasn't really changed as much but uh yeah moving on to to third place uh, we touched a little bit on this deck now we can go a little bit of an, a deeper dive uh the Van deck the jund mid-range with lures and red and six and all of the good cards uh this one was played by nathan stewart uh, nathan stewart one of the sumers so this is sumer jund indeed how do you feel about this decklist? Like, the, the only thing that really surprised me was the two copies of Abrupt Decay in the main deck, which I kind of, for whatever, I, I may be wrong about this, but I kind of feel like Colgan's Command is a better main deck card than Abrupt Decay. Am I crazy for thinking that?
2: I think I agree with you. Like, this list overall is really clean. I had the exact same thing where I saw a and I was like, can that be anything else? Like, I, I went to, like, can I? should I be playing Terminate? And then I was like, eh, maybe they need to hit those non-creature things. And I was like, ooh, can I be playing Trophy? And I'm like, well, clearly they don't want to ramp their opponent. The card that I thought that this deck could maybe run was Feed the Swarm, because I was like, ooh, like, it kills a creature. I know it's Sorcery Speed, and it hurts you if you kill a Murktide, but it can do that whereas decay can't and then it can also kill like an urza saga as well as you know whatever other creature but you know of course decay has its own benefits of like you can kill a teferi you can kill a rest in peace you can do all of these things i don't know i i think uh, nathan stewart obviously knows what he's doing he's played this deck a lot so i'm sure their reason is very good for abrupt decay but It's interesting that we had the exact... We zoomed in on the exact same card, like, looks really clean, Mm -hmm. but what about Abrupt Decay?
0: That's definitely, like, the the odd one out. And um, an interesting, also, thing to to keep in mind is... Is is, Doomblade not weird? Isn't there, like, a Doomblade in the sideboard? There is one Doomblade in the sideboard, yes. And that is there to kill... I think that is there to kill specifically uh, Murktite Regent. It is. Um, I I don't know why that isn't a Terminate, but I guess that, like, Saga taps for Colorless, so maybe that i think sense. that's
2: the idea is that there's some corner case where you could only have
1: black i don't know i just saw that one and was like hold on that's not the weird card here the actual <laughs> factual doom Blade isn't the weird one that's that's fair I, I think i've actually seen
2: him comment on doom Blade of like you know oh it could be terminate and it's like gonna largely be the same um i i do wonder maybe there are matchups where you would want Terminate but not Doomblade, like if you're expecting a lot of Death Shadow.
1: That's what I was gonna say. Shadow is the is the main thing that comes to mind for me. It sure. also kills like opposing Lurises, whereas Doomblade doesn't.
2: But I don't know if you're needing to bring in more removal in general in that kind of spot. Like maybe you are.
1: For Shadow, I feel like you are.
2: Well, I mean, the thing I was gonna say is like he's also playing main deck fatal push, whereas I think before we weren't really seeing that. So I think like pushes are gonna help against things like shadow you know goyf and then heat is going to kill most everything else so I I don't know that's interesting
0: yeah fatal push over lightning bolt lightning bolt is officially washed not good enough
1: don't say that (laughs) (laughs) you can't be saying that
0: alright fourth place is probably like the biggest surprise and I still can't believe it myself uh, that this happened but Jeff Ta- uh, Jeff Zhao with Infect. Yes, let that sink in. Infect, top hated MTG Las Vegas in the year 2021. And what a list, Jeez. Um We're playing four Ignobles and four Noble Hierarchs, and then the classic, listener Elf and Blighted Agent, but we're also jamming four copies of Fire Crusader in the main deck. That thing's hard to so, kill. So, 20 creatures... And the Crusaders are kind of nuts, honestly. Like they're a fantastic card. And they are insanely well positioned in the meta. Like it doesn't die to unholy heat, doesn't die to bolt, doesn't die to Firex um, Prismatic Ending, doesn't die to Solitude. So Crusader is just extremely, extremely well positioned. Um, and it's one of, I imagine one of the main ways that you can salvage your, your terrible matchups but uh, i actually tried this deck today on stream and holy crap is that mana base bad <laughs> it's it's really really bad um i i think that i lost three out of the five matches that i played and out of those six games that i lost five of those were i died with spells in my hand that i was not able to cast because my my mana base was just non-functional. you know like i i played a higher on turn one my opponent killed it well that's it <laughs> that's that's the game right there um so it is it is very interesting and i i wonder if it's it's at a point where this is just a necessary evil and if you want to be playing a strategy like that you just have to bite the bullet and know that your deck will not function a, a fair amount of the time um and you will be dying with a bunch of uncastable cards in your hand because you need those Crusaders in order to be able to win your otherwise unwinnable matchups. Like I got paired against the four-color Yorion deck, for example, and that deck felt like just unbeatable, like straight up unbeatable. And still in those spots, I was in a situation where I was thinking, huh, okay, if I draw Crusader here, maybe we can actually get there. If I draw Crusader. And I over and over, I was finding myself in that spot, and I'm like... Okay, I get it now. I get it. I get it. Is it great? I don't know. I don't know if it's great. It clearly worked. It worked great for for Jeff, as far as I can see. Uh, but uh, I think that is very smart. Like it's it's a very very smart way to to build the deck, even if you know maybe a slightly greedy <laughs> way to build the deck.
2: Yeah, I wonder if you could change the mana in some way that would help a little bit. I don't know if you can. Like, maybe you can make Yavamaya become another Fetchland or something like that. I want to do the same with Urborg, but then I'm like, mm, but Urborg is, like, kind of double-fixing. That's kind of interesting. But I also think, like, Urborg is going to be really bad outside of exactly casting Crusader. Uh, it's not going to cast, well, actually anything else in your deck except for paying a colorless for either Blighted Agent or Become a Mint.
0: Yo, 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 there's, a, there's an Ashiok dream, red, dream Render in the sideboard, excuse you.
2: Oh, did we did we need that one? I, I wasn't sure if we needed that yeah, one. Yeah, because
0: Amulet was not a good enough matchup already, so. Uh, no, no, the, the issue that I saw is that, you know, there's nine lands that tap for blue in your entire deck, which is rough. Which is rough when you're trying to cast your Blighted Agents. And not only you're trying to cast your Blighted Agents, but you need to cast your Blighted Agents to have any shot at winning a bunch of matchups that you can't otherwise win uh, like hammer for example hammer has like mem and ornithopters and random nonsense for days so you need blighted agent in order to beat that matchup or otherwise you're just you're just not gonna get there so with a, the, a card being so important having to mulligan for the card and also having to mulligan for a hand that has the card and can cast it seems like a lot you know what i'm saying seems like a lot well-
2: I think what it is is that the stack list is leaning really hard on the two hierarchs. Um, You know, you you mentioned nine black sources or nine blue sources. There's 11 black sources and that's pretty rough. Um, I mean, you know, you can count the hierarchs in either direction, but you have to have them, you know, and sometimes you're going to, maybe you're going to have a hand that has, I don't know, maybe it has blighted agent and um, ignoble hierarch. And then, and then you're going to be in an awkward spot, or you're going to have Noble Hierarch, and then you're going to have Phyrexian Crusader. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely some some tension there. I don't know, you know, even if you did some slight tweaking, it might make it a little bit easier, but I, I think if you're going to play those cards, it's just going to be difficult on 20 lands, and um, as you mentioned, Crusaders pro White and Red are extremely relevant. Like, we just talked about how Turok is so good, like,
1: this is Turok Plus.
2: Yeah, yeah it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I it's one of those things where I wonder if you're if you're registering in fact and you're saying, "Okay, I need to do this." So I just I'm okay with the fact that 30% of my matches I'm just going to die without being able to cast my spells and just, you know, move on with my life. So I wonder if that's one of the things that you need to you need to keep in mind uh, to go with this. Um all right. Fifth place. Buckle up for this one. Harden Scales. Played by Joel Lapray. Whew. This is a spicy top eight, folks. <laughs> this is a hell of a spicy top eight. Harden Scales. 25 lands. Fourth fourth uh, four of those being Ursa Saga. Four of those being Ingmoth Nexus. Um, a bunch of you know spire of industry brushland etc. ways to cast our spells and then the classic hangerbag walker walking ballista four copies of Arban ravager and the new additions for sabas the glimmer wasp this is the 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 artifact a uh, modular uh, legendary um, insect uh, that it was printed in mh2 and ingenious smith as a way to accrue some card advantage also gets put tokens on so you, it combos with your handler's scans very nicely you can't put your modular co- counters on it so it's not all upside uh, but it's a it's a very interesting addition and when we go over the rest of the day we have two copies of ancient steerings, three world in jar three the ozolith and one best of the scholar so far so good one copy of which is Oven. Can we talk about how genius this is? Which is Oven is a way to get to sacrifice your things whenever you want. It creates extra artifacts, so it grows both your constructs and your background ravager. It's a way to gain life against a rough matchup like his burn. Which is Oven just does everything. Yeah, it's amazing. It looks pretty good. It's like one of those things where this is just like a galaxy brain move right here. Like, it's, I don't know how you end up realizing that you need witch's oven, but Joel did and it worked out. It worked out really well for him.
2: Imagine sacrificing a 4-4 hanger back walker to a witch's oven. You're just having a good time.
0: Hmm, that's, that's what life is about. That's what life is about right there. Um, so I also tried this one on stream today and this deck is hard to play <laughs> this deck is really hard to play uh wow but uh, it it is fun though it's really really hard but it's fun um the only thing that i ha- the only issue that i have is that i don't know if the payoff is actually there you know what i'm saying so what i mean is you need to be playing this deck at 100% at least at 95% in order to be doing some winning and even when you're playing this deck at 95 percent or more you're probably going to be winning as much as if you're playing hammer at like 70 percent maybe a little bit less than that you know what i'm saying so you have to really love this archetype um which again it's a lot of fun so i imagine that if you're a fan of the scales like you this is like your jam and it's cool to know that if you are a season player and you know what you're doing and you know you know how to do your crazy lethal lines with Arva Ravager uh you can still do it and you can still top eight an event of these of this size which is very very cool
2: it's funny you brought up hammer cuz like i don't understand what you get by doing this over hammer like aren't you just hit by all of the same hate that is everywhere for hammer like is that is that not the case
0: i mean you're i think you're slightly better against uh removal because you know your opponent like forces you and like what are they forcing a hard walker or like an Arbone ravager and then you like move the counters and your dudes are still huge but then you
1: also get hit by like
0: rip and stony and like i don't know
1: there's like a bunch of stuff that's like getting played to and like you're also iffy into i don't know i don't know i i I think I'm with Spider here. That you're like this feels like a strategy yep. that's super vulnerable to a lot of what's going on.
0: I'm I'm not saying it's great, okay. I'm just saying that if this is what you want to do, you can yeah, do if it. You, if you're just and like you really into well. that
1: hard and scales life, anything is possible.
2: Like it's nice that you can sack stuff in response to like solitude or something, but. Um, and yes, like prismatic ending is just going to hit stuff because prismatic ending hits everything. It just, it just does. Um, but I don't like you're saying, oh, I can like sack my arcbound ravager, but also you're going to like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy. Like they're tapped out. You go in for lethal and they're like, Hey, look, here's a free force of vigor. Nope. Or, Hey, look, here's a free solitude. Nope. Or also maybe they just go, Hey, here's a, uh a free force of vigor on your Urza's Saga and your hardened scales, right? Like, it's... I don't know. I mean, Hammer has all of these issues too, but then can also kill
0: you more quickly, more regularly, I think. like mm-hmm. that's, that's what I was going to say, really. Um And that's what felt a little bit clunky about the deck when I played it today. Um, the deck is extremely, extremely mana-hungry, so it doesn't surprise me that he's playing 25 lands. The deck is much more money-hanging than I thought, because you have a ton of mana sinks between Saga, between Hungerback, can all this stuff, and all of your deck is 2-drops. So, your your curve is super, super condensed on these, like, 2-drops, because all of them are necessary. So, back in the day, Moxopo fixed this very nicely when it could, you know, you just played a 2-drop on turn 1, and then another one on turn 2. It was great, right? Um, we can't do that anymore, <laughs> so it, it really felt like You know, my opponent was doing something, and then I just went, okay, here's my land and my one drop, and then they played something on two, and I played, okay, if I play Hangerback Walker, then things go wrong for me this way, if I played a Ballista, things go wrong for me this other way, so, like, there's only, I I felt like I was just not deploying my stuff quickly enough, and I was dying because of it, so... It was a little bit problematic in that sense. It's also
2: interesting to me that they chose to play white, but they were not interested in Esper Sentinel.
0: Yeah, Esper Sentinel sounds actually quite interesting, um, particularly because it would smooth out the, the the curve. But I get, I assume it has something to do with the color requirements. Um, like we're playing. There's also like two copies of Dark steel Citadel in this list, which seems like a little bit inter- interesting to me. Like, I did find myself in a couple of situations where I just could not cast my spells. Like, I just... <laughs> I just had some color spells in hand that I could never cast it, and I was never even remotely close to casting lures. Also, the amount of damage that you take from Brushland and Spire of Industry adds up really, really, really quickly. So I'm surprised to not see any Razorverse tickets or something like that. I imagine it has to do with the fact that deck is so man-hungry, but you know it's it's you're taking a lot you're really taking a beating whenever whenever you're getting hit by the spire on the brushland so
2: but it's funny because i'm like well you know you're, you're slow in the curve so what if you just played like springleaf drum like that's been the mox opal at home And i'm like oh and then what if you just add pure steel paladin and then what if, you know
0: <laughs> and you're just very
2: quickly you've just become hammer um so i i don't know i love hardened scales this deck is super cool I, I i hope that they're onto something and you know maybe we can see the second artifact deck back in the meta
0: yeah it'll be cool and speaking of cool no remember when last week no <laughs> <laughs> remember when last week i said that no amulets would be in the top eight boy was i wrong um because actually the only deck to put two copies into the top eight was amulet I don't know how
1: between the three of us, especially you being one of these three people, that I'm the one that has been advocating Amulet. (laughs) Like, I have been saying this forever, that Amulet is still really good and all of the the stuff that makes Amulet seem bad be damned. Like, Amulet is still just Amulet. And Ursa's Saga and Amulet's wild, and the deck's just super good, and still can just kill you super fast. I've been saying it forever. I am not surprised at all to see two copies here in the top 8.
2: Okay, but Evan, if Mm -hmm. Fran is telling people Amulet's bad, they Mm -hmm. won't play Amulet. So please, (laughs) Amulet is bad.
1: (laughs) Alright, you got me there. Amulet is... Yep. No, yep. I have changed my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I have changed my opinion.
0: Nah, no. So... Again, like the big the big change here is Merktide, right? Like the fact that Merktide was dominant. It, when when Merktide was tier zero, basically, the best deck in the format, Amulet had a really, really tough time. Like the, the Merktide matchup is very, very tough for Amulet. And it still is. It still is. Uh, but what's been happening is we see less red removal now and we see more white removal. And that is exactly what Amulet wants to see because the white removal is either a 2-for-1 in the amulet player's favor or it's sorcery speed and very slow in prismatic ending so wide removal good for amulet red removal bad for amulet and by red removal obviously i mean unholy heat specifically right because bolt obviously we don't care too much about but but unholy heat boy is that a beating but uh, yeah both of these lists run in card creator Um, I don't think there's like too many significant differences between both deck lists one of them is running some copies of explore as opposed to three copies of Azusa Um, The other one is playing no castle garen bricks and you know more Azusa, so I'm not gonna get into details about this Uh, Just know that both lists are pretty good. So you can grab whichever one you like best and and just go with it i personally like um like levi's uh, version better uh, levi sprung's list on sixth place uh, which has uh, you know two copies of castle Garenbrick. i think that card is way too good not to play and um i think i would cut the explorers to add more azusa so that, I, that part i do agree with with andy's uh, thing but but yeah also i think Pied the needle could be pretty good right now I think that there's a lot of Like yogmoth, I feel like, has finally established as, okay, this is actually a really, really good deck. And I feel like a lot of people are starting to pick it up. In fact, Red Duke actually played yogmoth this past weekend. I think he actually lost to Levi playing for top 8, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the win and in. So I feel like people are finally uh, waking up to the fact that Yagmoth is just extremely, extremely good. And uh, as such, you probably have to adapt and... P- throwing one copy of Pied and Needle into your Karn wishboard seems seems uh, potentially like a, a good choice. Last but not least, Ivan Espinosa in 8th place with 4-Color Control. Evan, this is your time to shine. No, it's not.
1: 4-Color <laughs> Control is, is the deck I expect, because I know I wasn't on the episode last time. Um, this would have been the deck that I would have expected to see the most of. In the top eight, I think I, I would have said this in Hammer. Mm-hmm. I do you think this deck is really good? I've played it a bit um, because I wanted to get a feel for it. You know, I I like blue-white control so much. This is very similar, but it's also not. In a sense, you know, it's it's got a lot of the it's got a lot of the key characteristics of what makes blue-white control blue-white control, but with a lot of other powerful stuff thrown in there like random and Onmath. I have definitely come to the conclusion that I still like normal blue white more, like the cleaner mana and all that. I I had some mana issues while I was playing the deck, though. It you know, it that's that's got a with with experience. I'm sure I'd run into that less. You know, with with having played it even more, I'd, I'd get more used to it. But I think the things you are getting for it. You know, getting for playing additional colors, you get the Ren and six and all that. I think they do come at a significant cost. Earlier, I would have said, "Whatever, man, you're just playing four colors, it's just all the best stuff, and it's just free. There's no <laughs> reason to not be doing this. Why am I playing blue white?" But once I actually started playing it, I like they do come at a cost. There is still a reason to choose this between this and in blue white. I was I was struggling with this deck a bit. You know, the 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 card advantage is there and all that, but things can still kind of get under you and your interactive suite is not as fleshed out especially your counterspell suite that was a that was a big thing i was losing to a lot of stuff where i needed more counterspells and not having those archmage's charms or not having the in the particular build that i played not having you know the billion Dovin's vetoes out of the board going up to four Dovin's veto that that's been really big um so not, not being able to fight on that that side of things was brutal, but you're able to fight the board better with this deck. It, they're both good. I think this is a good deck. I prefer normal blue white. I prefer having that that more fleshed out counterspell suite, but, but what's going on here is is definitely powerful. And you can bury people with card advantage, it's wild.
2: It's kinda interesting. I feel like there's a lot of nuance in deck choice right now. Like we just definitely. looked at other decks that were like, oh, you know, maybe um scales could be similar to hammer but i'm sure there's a diff- slightly different matchup spread or like red ba- black is kind of similar to jun saga but there's a slightly different matchup spread and, and that's how i feel about four color versus blue white where it's like oh maybe your floor is a little bit lower where it, like oh, i didn't just quite come together my hand was too clunky or something but on the other hand uh maybe you play against hammer or something and they're trying to get under you and then you're like oh i drew fury right and then all of a sudden your 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 ceiling is is much higher to have this like nut draw of like oh yeah I'm just gonna like you know I'm gonna pitch a card to kill three of your things like that's that's ridiculous so it's I don't know, I, I I think it it just comes down to like what do you want to do also this deck is supposed to be favored right versus blue white
1: yeah 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 I mean it, it, and I think it is I think it is you know I've won the matchup but it but it does feel it does feel like they have the edge but that that is kind of i i think i could be wrong here but i think that's kind of what it comes down to is this deck fights the board a bit better and then blue white fights the stack better and fighting the board is probably the better place to be overall you know the renin six is is just invalidates so many creatures fury invalidates so many creatures and yeah and, and I think you do get the edge in the mirror um for sure so
0: yeah all of all of that makes a lot of sense to me actually um and I do agree with the fact that I think that overall the 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 stack is not necessarily where you want to be fighting and that is why we saw last week we talked about Belcher making a very significant comeback right like when people are trying to fight the board instead of the stack that's when that's the
1: matchup I hit where I was like man I don't have <laughs> I don't have all these Dovin's Vetoes. this this matchup sucks all of a sudden, whereas he played that with blue white and it's it's actually a pretty decent matchup
0: exactly exactly the chalice is in the side war
1: yeah, I beat last time I played that that's how I did it. I you know it was chalice on zero to stop pack negation, chalice on one to stop veil, and then they just could not do anything. Mm-hmm. It was just they would never beat those counter spells whereas i I kind of sat there. I played a couple of things that didn't really matter as this four color one floundered and they just they just belched me.
0: Yeah, even even Blood Moon is a lot more problematic for a deck with four colors and only one of each basic, as opposed to, you know, blue white.
1: You say that, but but Blue White's mana base is actually it's gotten way more susceptible to Blood Moon these days. We're we're playing a lot less basic islands, it feels like and but a, a nicely timed Blood Moon gets gets blue white as well.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Also you're playing less fetchlands too, so you even though you're playing more actual basics, you don't really see them as often, so that makes sense. All right, so really, a, honestly, a fantastic debate. If I if I had to say so myself, like this is just wild. Like so many car, so many decks that I would not have expected in a million years to see here.
1: I'm surprised there's no hammer and no Murktide. I think that's the that's the biggest surprise for me is that not a single copy of either of those decks made it. I think the rest, you know. I expected the, the red, black, X stuff. You know, I expected one at least one of the control variants, whether it was going to be blue, white, or four-color. Um, amulet. I'll say I expect amulet. I always expect <laughs> amulet. Um, but uh, to see no hammer and no tide is, is really surprising.
2: I kind of feel like between infect and scales, that's at least one honorary hammer.
1: <laughs> yeah sure yeah that's true you know what yeah they're both you put them together and they're basically the soul of hammer right it's basically affinity mixed with infect so yeah sure More
0: fun hammer
1: <laughs> it's it's hammer it's one hammer player that got split into its two different identities you know but yeah still a little little surprising to see that those were absent um but the rest is you know good stuff in modern
0: yeah yeah, it's just like another another example of modern just being a fantastic diverse format where people sure the things that you can play have changed yes we're, we're not a, in in a situation where you know you just build your deck and you can play it for years in and years out um i mean i guess amulet is an example of that but you know you have to buy the new cards is what i'm trying to say um, but but yeah like your pet deck can still do fairly well right? Like, if your pet deck is scales or infect, eh, you you actually have a shot. Like, you actually have a shot. If you're smart about it and you build thinking about the metagame and you try to find ways to exploit it, like we saw with those and Crusaders, right? Like, that is very smart. That is a very, very smart way to approach the, the modern format. And sure, like, Death and Taxes is unplayable and it will never come back, uh, but...
2: <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for yeah. that. I still would not <laughs> register either scales or infect and in fact i would go so as far to say as i would register taxes way before i registered infect but
1: that's because that's your pet deck and your pet deck isn't those two other pet decks. (laughs) yeah Yeah, (laughs) because those are not your pet deck
0: exactly that's my point that's my point in before spider wins the mana traders with taxes again or something like that you know so
2: (laughs) i am literally driven on spite, so when you tell me I can't do something, (laughs) that's when it's gonna happen.
0: Fair enough, fair enough, I'll take that. Uh, Okay, so, really quickly, um, we wanted to touch on another event that took place this weekend, which was the uh, PTQ, like, uh, you know, some sort of qualifier for what is apparently the equivalent of the PT, which is not the PT, let's make that clear, uh, because they wanna make it clear, Uh, but uh, whatever, (laughs) so, Another very unexpected top eight in this in this PDQ, which again tells you that your your pet deck is great, you know. One the whole thing won by Soul Strong on Grixis Dress Down Shadow. Soul Strong has been working on this deck for a couple of months now. And they've been doing pretty well in other premier events. I think that they Top 16, the they, show, they showcased a couple of weeks ago or something. So they've been working on this deck for a while. And finally, they took it all down with uh, Grixis, Shadow, with Dressdown. Another Turok deck.
1: Another <laughs> Turok deck.
0: Another deck where Turok is making an appearance. We see one Turok in the main deck and one Turok in the sideboard. So that's a, that's a pretty interesting addition to to this deck. Uh, which again very well positioned very very powerful deck.
1: I mean I see that deck as another deck that has it's another amulet Titan to me in the sense where it's like man look how many things amulet Titan is bad into but it'll still do the thing and it's like look how many things death Shadow is bad into it, like it's basically the same things that amulet is but instead you know maybe maybe heat's not as good against them but solitude and prismatic ending are like super brutal for that deck and still, even though those are everywhere, it still has you know, the ability to do its thing. I guess like Dress Down's really sick against Solitude but um, <laughs> the fact that it like you're like, nah, now you don't Solitude and also my th- my Death Shadows at 1313 or whatever um, but uh, yeah, big deal. I-, I see it as kind of the same thing where I would have been like, no way Death Shadow, like that's gonna be so cold into so much of the format, but like at the same time what it's doing is super powerful and despite it may be, you know, despite there being a lot of very problematic players in the format for it, it can still just get there, you know?
2: The kind of interesting thing about this deck is it's like somewhere sandwiched between Blue-Red Murktide and the Red-Black Monkey deck we saw win Vegas, right? Like, you're splashing blue, you get some counter spells and Drown in the Lock, and then you get Expressive Iteration for some more card advantage, but then you're still doing the like red black stuff where you get Kroxa and Turok. I, I think this deck is just good. Like, as much as I'm like, man, Shadow's bad in the meta, I have lost to this deck a lot. The way I usually lose to it involves them having Lurus and then just going EOT, Dress Down, and then my creatures never do anything ever, and I just can't beat it. But yeah, I think this deck is just good.
0: Yeah, Dress Down is a really good card, and this is far and away the best Dress Down deck in the format, I would say. How about the second place deck, though? Huh? How about that second place deck? Because your pet deck is great. Even if that pet deck is Enchantress. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Remember, Remember all those cards that we were excited when they were printed and then nobody did anything ever with it? Well, somebody finally managed to do something... With Sanctum Weaver, Sithis Harvest Hand, and Sterling Grove.
1: I mean, I I was pushing this deck so much with MH2's release. Like I was really trying to, you know, I was really trying to push Enchantress, because it's a strategy I really like. I I I got skull cracked. And, uh, or not Skullcrack. I got, uh, what was it? Stomp. Is it Skullcrack? Stomped. That's what it was. I got stomped. And even, oh, and, and what is it? Like, Wild Slash or something? I, I got <laughs> hit by those one too many times to turn off my solitary confinements and die. Uh, and I just had to hang up the deck. I just, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep getting the card <laughs> literally stomped by stomp. You know, at the time... Red was was getting really popular with, with Stomp in it, so. And I kind of stopped playing the deck for a while, um, and then just kind of forgot about it. But seeing this makes me kind of excited. I haven't, I haven't seen it put up any results <laughs> in a while, and nothing's made me think about the deck again for a while. And Doing this well in a, in a pretty sizable event is, is pretty exciting. There's a couple of cool pieces in there, too.
0: Yeah, we got the one of main deck cool three Blood Moons in the main deck, which I think is is very very um what can I say? Blood Moon is busted right now. Mm. <laughs> Blood Moon is really, really good. And funnily enough, it just feels like there are no good Blood Moon decks. But Blood Moon I mean, deals Murktide. with Saga. Yeah, but, but it's not really a Blood Moon deck. It's just the deck that gets to play Blood Moon. And even in Murktide, like the amount of times that my Tide opponents have locked themselves out of casting spells whenever they cast Blood Moon is alarming. Like the amount of times that they play Blood Moon with only a single island. And they're, they're, they have the hand with Counterspells, Merktide, and Archmage's Charms. And I'm just like, dude, just play more islands. <laughs> it's not it's not that hard. You can cast them if you play it more. But yeah, this this seems like it could be like a fine shell for, for Blood Moon. Which there aren't that many right now. And this is just you know trying to maximize on it and playing three copies in the main deck which makes sense like a deck like it feels like a deck like this needs to be able to cheese you out and there's no cheesier card in any format or like magic period than blood moon that's that's like as cheesy as it gets basically so i i definitely like the addition of like yeah okay I'm playing. I'm playing this deck. We're jamming blood moons in the main. Like we're not messing around.
2: It's funny you say that because the next deck is blue red murktide with three main deck blood moons.
0: <laughs> well, there you go.
1: <laughs> I was I was actually sharing this list uh, with my with my Discord because we we were kind of talking about that and then and then I saw this list. I was like, oh hey, it's kind of what I wanted to do because I was trying to I was trying to figure out a uh, a blue moon list and i was like well what kind of wincon package do i want to go with and we, they landed on well maybe you just want to play Tide, and i was like yeah
0: maybe and then i found this list so it was like oh hey <laughs> it's it's kind of both exactly but, but check this out instead of playing the fiery islets and instead of playing like a million steam bands we're playing 12 basic islands here between the five actual i five actual basics and then two flooded strand two polluted delta and three scalding tarns so th- this is smart. You see what I'm saying? I
1: like this like, deck. You want
0: to play Blood Moon? I,
1: I really want to try this list. I, I
0: like this deck a lot. This deck can't really play Blood Moon if it wanted to. You just need to you know, get rid of those stupid cycling lands and just play more fetch lands or ways to get basics. And all of a sudden, Blood Moons is like, legit very good in your deck. But like people didn't do this before. Like This is the first deck list that I see of Blue Red Merc type that actually respects the fact that it's playing Blood Moon every single other blue Red murder list that I've seen it just kind of like yeah like I'm I guess I'm just playing blood moon in the sideboard but like whatever you know it just feels like an afterthought and like they built the deck and then they threw blood moons in the sideboard and they didn't really think about the consequences
2: it is a bit different having it in the sideboard versus the main deck right like there's a different kind of thing there where you're like I want this specifically for X matchup So, you know, maybe this card that requires more blue isn't as good or, um, you know, it's, it's a little less self harming when you do that. Having said that, I think that the canopy land in this deck was basically never good. So there is that.
0: Yeah, I don't know why people did that. People just love throwing canopy lands in, <laughs> in decks. And very, more often than not, they're just terrible. Unless it's exactly Burn or like Prowess deck or something like that, like a deck that functions literally off of two lands. It's it's never very good, but whatever. Um, I don't know how I feel about Chandra Awakened Inferno in the sideboard, uh, in the 18-land <laughs> deck. Yeah, that's, that's the one that I'm kind of...
1: I encountered that card, too, Um that card is not an effective way to beat blue-eye control. Uh, yeah. It, it, I, I, that has to be what that's there for, and I had... It was, it was really funny. I had um, basically this exact... I don't remember exactly what the deck was. It might have been... I don't think it was a blue-moon strategy, but it, it, it was something like it. It was some blue-red-x control mirror, and they cast, they cast Chandra, which the downtick is, uh, deal three damage to each super key non-elemental creature, <laughs> and I was like, flash in solitude, flash in solitude, and <laughs> it was just like, uh, I just kept slanting, and, and they had, I, I don't even know how many of the emblems they had on me, but they could not kill the solitudes, and the emblems didn't matter, because I was gaining six a turn, it, it, yeah, I, that card, when it first came out, was kind of an interesting idea because I think blue-white was winning a lot slower. Um, but now that there's, like, there's all the solitudes, there's Hall, Hall closes out the game really fast, too. You um, know, people are playing Colonnade again. uh it just wasn't even close to being like oh, I'll just get one or two things on you and and you know emblems on you and the game's over. It just like it's just not the case. I, I don't think that that's an effective way to fight control. I love the card too. Like I I am somebody who super super likes that card, but it is I just do not think it does what you needed to do in modern right now. That non-elemental thing is a joke. The fact that it doesn't elementals is so rough right now
0: also the fact that i don't know man like there's something about 18 land decks playing six drops in December, yeah it, that just...
1: is, in this in this context it makes even less sense but like it i'm just saying like even if you were playing a, a deck that played 25 lands or whatever it's still uh, it just doesn't line up it's just like not even that good against the main deck you wanted against
0: yeah it's kind of interesting to see four copies of unholy heat in three lightning bolt though uh, are we at a point where Bolt has been power crept out of Modern? Like, is is that the reality that we live in? You just have certain. So, no, it's it's not. It's not. Heat's just really good, and when it's you good. don't
2: always want to point at face, it's like, hmm, maybe I want to kill a primeval titan instead of Bolt your face.
0: Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> also, otherworldly gaze played for value.
2: Just just
0: the one. Yeah, this is something that I've encountered. Like, people playing other worldly gays in their like blue moon decks just for value. Like not they're not trying to, you know, cheat some narco into play or anything. No, no, no. just like card just set up their draw steps.
1: It's so bad in decks like that. You can't be having like The card the fact it doesn't cantrip is so big in those decks. I I can't imagine playing this card. Like, you can look at it as Okay, it's kind of card advantage if you're throwing stuff that you get to snap or whatever, but it it's not like it's just not.
0: They're not playing snap, so they're so. No, snaps. I know. <laughs> I'm saying that's that's a
1: place that I'm seeing that pop up. You know.
0: Okay.
2: I think the idea is you just put it in the bin with Darcy. Like you're not actually hoping to ever draw
0: it. You're just like, oh look, it's in the graveyard. That's not you. worth
1: a card though.
0: Like. And, and when you flash it back, it grows Merktide, huh?
1: I, I, I haven't sold Bluff. you yet,
0: Evan, no? Dude,
1: I, <laughs> I just, I hate that card, I don't know.
0: All right, fourth place, Blue Red Merktide, boring list, boring, boring list. Yeah, it has in the Decibel, yeah, it has Jason or like, uh, just what everybody, what everybody does. Now, Wafo Tapa, Guillaume Wafo Tapa, legend. Fifth place, with blue-white control, one copy of cryptic command
1: clean
0: clean (laughs) so clean
1: yeah i mean you can just not play the cryptic and it's fine like (laughs) like if you just like want to play it's not an integral part if you want to play cryptic you can play a cryptic i i played around with it it's fine but it's also like it's still cryptic command when it's sick it's sick when it's a four mana spell and you need Earlier stuff going on, it sucks, but like it's it's not doing anything revolutionary. It's just like if you want to play a cryptic, you can play a cryptic, you know. It's like it, it, it's it's in that it's in that slot that's like if you want to main deck a shark typhoon. That honestly, I'm I've been pretty low on shark typhoon. He has four in the board here, but which I I have a bunch of my board. I've I've been maining one. That one main shark typhoon has done it's done a lot of work. I think it's better <laughs> than the cryptic. And I'm not super big on that card. On I'm big on Cryptic, and I'm not super big on Shark Typhoon. But that one Shark Typhoon has won me a lot of games. Where I don't know. I I, I think it's more worth the slot than Cryptic. But if you want to play Cryptic, totally play Cryptic. It's sweet.
0: Yeah, and and Waffle wanted to, and he did. And I asked him on stream what what's with the one Cryptic command, and he said it makes me feel young again. <laughs> exactly. And I'm just and I'm just like. No, that
1: sums it up perfectly.
0: That's all the reasons that I need it. <laughs> like what what else could you want? Like just play the cards that you like, man, because your pet deck is just fine.
1: <laughs> I'm in the boat with with Waffle where it's like Look, it's a coincidence that blue white happens to be very good right now. I'd be playing it anyways, right? Like I'm going to yeah. it it the fact that it is well positioned has no bearing on me playing this deck. It just—it's it, sweet that it happens to be really good, but I'd be playing it anyways. And I, you know, I'm sure, I'm positive he is the same way. So like, yeah, sometimes you want to just slap a cryptic in your deck, man. You know, it's a, it, why not?
0: Yeah, for sure. And 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 again, like Waffle was the one that realized this shell with the main deck chalices, and like he was the one that worked on his pet deck. He figured it out. He looked at the meta game and found actually a very good way of attacking that meta game. So. No, no surprises to see Waffle continuing to do well with, with a deck that is kind of we're seeing much less I feel than what we were seeing in like a month or so ago
1: yeah I mean people are just kind of people are following this this you know I don't know what you want to call it this wave we're, we're just seeing like the meta kind of like circular rotating around the different good decks in the format right so like you know, blue white'll get really hot for a little bit, and then, you know, Merc Tide'll get hot again, and then Hammer'll get hot again, and then Black Red'll get hot again. And it's just kind of like going around in a cycle around you'll you'll see a whole bunch of one of them in one week and then a whole bunch of the next one in another week. Um, right now I think you're just seeing a little less people on blue white, but it it's just this it's just this magic online whatever you want to call that. I don't know I I don't know what what you would call it, but
0: tendencies or
1: yeah well and it's just like it's it's the effect of people you know rental services and whatnot <laughs> you're not locked <laughs> you're not locked in on a deck on magic online as much as most people are in paper so you just yeah. you know they're they're just it feels like there's always like a flavor of the week or whatever and and a lot of people hop on that so mm-hmm. instead of seeing
2: murktide come back for a weekend yeah uh, you know you play paper and you see
1: infect exactly <laughs> it's true. I'm really excited about the prospect of like paper stuff coming back and that effect on the meta. I think it I think it does have a real effect on it, so.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see to start to see more like devoted druid or Helio decks and, and stuff like that once once uh, you know, paper medic paper starts to return in a, in a larger way mm-hmm. or maybe I don't know, maybe your pet deck is cord. And your name is Kurusu, and you may just end up in the sixth place of this modern premiere event uh, with Yorion Kikikord.
1: Mm -hmm. Main deck battling mage is so sick. I love the one of main deck mentally mage. This deck is so cool.
0: Yeah, of course, because we it's playing uh, four copies of Court the Calling. Of course, you want the one, you want those one of to go to go fetch, you know, one of Skyclave, one of Resto, three copies of Ragaman in the main deck, one of Magus of the Moon in your four color deck, of course, one of Endurance, one of Deputy of Detention, and one of Chandra Torch of Defiance, we you actually cannot go court for. So I don't know why it's here, but it's here. Yeah, I don't know why the is <laughs> there. I, I don't
1: know. I don't know. It's like how I don't know. In, in Blue White, we played the often the one of Jace the Mind Sculptor. It's their one of Jace, like, whatever.
0: I mean, Shadow is basically Jace, right? That it's
1: basically a... the same card.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but but yeah, this player is they play this deck. Like this is what they do, and they play this day in and day out uh, on MTGO. Um, oftentimes, they they are doing uh, very well with it as well. So nice. Yeah, cool to see. To see Kiki Core, another another pet deck of the people. I don't, <laughs> I don't
2: get it. I don't get it, man. Like, I don't know. I feel like you're doing a lot of the like four color good stuff things, but then they were like, "Hey, like rather than try to like you know have Furies in the deck because it makes sense, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Ragavan. That that'll get him. And I'm like, "But but you can't like not you can't kill it. It just they just put down the two one. Oh, you didn't have a thing. Okay, cool, hit you." and like that, that's it like their ragavan backup plan is I crossed my fingers like I Hmm.
1: I,
0: I, yeah I don't don't know exactly it's like turn one monkey and hope that you have nothing because I only have five removal spells in my entire deck so (laughs) hopefully you don't have a blocker or hopefully you don't have a removal spell because that's it then (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but yeah I mean again your top deck is just your, your pet deck is just fine next uh, seventh place we're almost done with this uh we have another blue white control deck list uh, just as i was saying that we don't see blue white as much blue white puts two copies in this top eight so very 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 fitting uh this deck list is very different though we have three sharp typhoons in the main deck spreading ceases in the main deck bunch of chalices in the main deck very different from wafos um, i don't know if this is just like an order list that has been copied and pasted but uh, yeah I I I don't know. You you are gonna be the one to tell me, Evan. One thing that I've noticed though is the fact that we have kind of the one of breeding pool has become sort of stuck at this point, point. and the reason for that is because breeding pool plus um, the Rogan trium allow you to uh, do prismatic ending for x equals four, which can be important against Omnath and opposing Jace's and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, I'm on, I'm on the breeding pool. Um, that's actually the the cost that I'm weighing the most with we, I was talking about earlier, having the the fire and ice. Um, mm-hmm. that becomes a steam vents, which mm. then you're you still only get the three. You still only get to do prismatic up to three. and it being it hit it going to four and catching Omnath is real and I'm trying to figure out if it's real enough because I don't think I can play the steam vents and the breeding pool. It starts to it starts to be pretty deep. Um, and the triome, you know, but that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to figure out. That's what I'm trying to, is getting access to fire it, it, to like two copies of fire and ice worth getting off the breeding pool to get that to four because that ha- it. It has been pretty real. And breeding pool is nice because you know, and also <clears throat> it's it's a it lets you like cast the kahira and that has come up a, a little bit as well where I can grab and cast the mm-hmm. kahira with it and a blue source that does that that isn't hollow found it, it it plays a decent role.
2: You, you could play Ketria triome instead of Rogren.
1: Yeah, yeah, we it's funny. We had, like, a thought experiment of, like, what uh, Blue White's mana base would look like if all all of the Triomes were, like, printed. Um, and we're like, hmm, would, would Blue White play two Triomes? Would it play, like, Rogrin and then also the Bant one? Uh, or the Esper one or whatever. And uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's worth it or not. I also think, if you were saying you can play that over the Steamettes, I don't think you can play it over the st- Steam vents because you need you need an untapped red source.
0: All right, so Evan had some internet issues, so we had to <laughs> we have to um, to to get him out of here. Uh, but fortunately for us, we have Evan impersonator here. So how are you doing, Evan impersonator?
1: Uh,
0: I'm a little
2: bit sick, and uh, I like to white <laughs> control
0: yes 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 exactly um and we're just done uh, speaking of about blue white so let's talk about the very last deck list that we wanted to cover today which is i don't even know what this is man okay i know what it
2: is (laughs) this is like the white black like cheesy what was it called grief blade except instead of white black they went red black so they're doing like spyro ragavan Dothy. But then they've got Fury instead of Solitude, and they're doing Grief. And they don't have, obviously, they don't have White, so they're not doing Ephemerate. Instead, we have four Feign Death, which, for those of you who don't know, is Black Instant until end of turn target creature gains. When this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control with a 1-1 counter on it. So I don't know why they didn't, like, I feel like Undying Evil is better isn't it?
0: Isn't it exactly
2: the same card? So undying evil because
0: undying, undying is this like when it dies it comes back with some +1/+1 counter so it's it's literally the same. No, card.
2: No, so undying evil doesn't have it be tapped and feign death doesn't care if there's already oh. a one one counter on it.
0: Uh, okay, so clearly because of that difference, you want to have a split between both of them. It's very very important that this that this has a split.
2: There's also two malleus <laughs> rebirth and three undying evil and then two village rights. I I don't know man like. Th- they're playing sixteen lands with the two Malakir Rebirths, so it's like almost eighteen lands. But
0: well, with two Spikefield Hazard.
2: Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I missed. Uh... Yeah, but
0: but still, like I don't understand. Like, don't you want to always have like, don't you want to play four Malakir Rebirths instead of the Fain Death? Like, is is having a land drop when you don't have a land drop not significantly, significantly more important? than a stupid Los Encounter on a creature that's like a grief or a fury?
2: I don't know. Maybe they wanted, they were like, man, I'm losing too much life. And I sure. I don't know, man, they're doing whatever they wanted to do. And apparently it worked out. So like, I guess I have to play a red, black, I don't know what to call it. Red, black pitch stuff.
0: Yes, that sounds about right.
2: And then we've got a Blood Moon in the sideboard a Coligan's Command, A Chalice of the Void. I do like the two Ingot Chewers. We've got Turok in the side, one Liliana in the sideboard. <laughs> um, we've got some EEs, one Shriekma. I, I don't know. Th- th- these numbers dude, are great.
0: Dude, dude. Shriekma is so sick. Wow, that's so good. All right, Shriekma actually sold me. This deck is great. So it's not, but still. they uh,
2: they go to Murktide and then you go Shriek Maw and then you go not Ephemerate, but basically Ephemerate Shriek Maw.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you beat them down with a 3 2 Fear. Woof.
2: Woof. <laughs> also, okay, Woof. can we just talk about how much worse Feign Death and all of those are than Ephemerate? Like, <laughs> I get like a 1 1 counter is good, but like when you go Grief Ephemerate, it goes Grief, do it. And then the the blink happens. And then you do it you do it a third time. You can also like grief on their draw step. Whereas here you have to like what I don't I don't know what has to transpire for you to grief on their draw step, but I'm pretty sure it involves you like killing your own grief or them bolting your grief on their draw step. Like for some unknown reason. Like it's I don't it's a lot worse.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not even sold on I mean, I guess that the red cars are arguably better than the white cards because you get Fury. Although Fury is not necessarily better than Solitude, but like Kroxa is very good. And like Monkey, Season Pyro are also pretty solid. So they're not bad, but... At least that part makes a lot more sense because like the whole Stoneforge package in that deck is always felt like it was so bad.
2: Well, but like Monkey isn't good in this deck. Like your your removal spell is Fury and you have two Dread I guess 2k command like I, I don't know like monkeys it's not like the red black or, or murktide stuff where you just like kill your thing count your thing whatever um I mean spyro is great if you can feign death it but you can't just ephemerate it
0: I I'm, I'm very confused about everything that's happening here I don't know what's going on but... I guess wait a minute wait a minute
2: <laughs> can you fury your own thing
0: you can yeah
2: so okay you fury you go two on your own spyro and their thing, and then like double feign death. I mean, I I don't know, man. I think man, Fury <laughs> you're as just a, going deep right now. Fury as a four four is pretty scary, though. Like swinging for eight is terrifying, and you can't bolt it anymore like that. It does matter. I don't know. This is weird. I guess Dothy also with feign death is really good. Like you steal their thing, and then you're like, haha, the Dothy's back. Okay, and now it's a four three.
0: Uh, I mean honestly like dothy beatdowns are no joke. I've lost to dothy beatdowns yeah. more than once.
2: <laughs> I don't know. There's something going on here. I have no idea if it's good or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. We've been going through how apparently I don't know what's going on in modern, but do what you want and it'll be cool. So, you have my thumbs up.
0: It's it's about it's about time we all take our pet decks and we play them and hopefully we win. That's what modern is about, and that's what this podcast is going to be about. We're going to wrap it up right here. Where can we find you, Spider? Because, like, we can't find Evan. That's that's, <laughs> that's- <laughs>
2: okay. All right, I check, just, just let me roll here for a second. So, we got um, Spider Space on Twitch and Spider Space MTG on Twitter, and where we could find Evan if he was around, it's uh, he wouldn't know this, so this is a factually incorrect Evan impersonator, but it's uh it's TTV on on (laughs) i'm messing it up i'm messing it up (laughs) um that's TTV on twitter and he streams uh, at everos on twitch
0: this is like the best outro we've done so far not close uh you can find me on twitch at fpablouz that's f-p-a-w-l-u-s-z And you can find me on Patreon, YouTube, and Twitter at FFablishMTG. This has been Mishros Babble. Thank you so much for listening to our bonus episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And we'll see you soon enough. Take care. Bye-bye. Babble Boys
2: out.